Good evening, everyone. It is such a blessed time to meet, to learn of the things of God, and uh, to be instructed in what we need to do to, as we look forward to the return of Christ. Also, those who are joining us online in this blessed time of fellowship, we welcome you as we join together to give honor and praise Amen. to God, our Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us from so many areas that uh, would destroy us. Also, we want to remember those who are sick at this time. There is uh, so many that are affected with the uh, virus that is worldwide but God is still on the throne and his son still he said all power authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth and we are looking forward to the time when he will take his great power and the things that are happening that cause many hearts to tremble will be totally eradicated so we want to remember those who are not well in their bodies remember every man of god that is taking the word of god to strengthen and to encourage those who are cast down we thank god for brother saying our pastor that he is uh, allowed to be here he's been working and submitting to the ways of god as we uh, remember the different families every leader that is around Right now, the world is making laws. King, uh, leaders are making laws that are contrary. But we, are under, we do understand what's really taking place. But I look forward to the return of Christ. And he said, if I go, I will come again. And things are going to be different according to his Father's will. So let's, uh, let's, <clears throat> let's uh, pray and ask God. To, to overshadow in every aspect because he is worthy eternal god and our father yes father we look to you tonight and we thank you for your grace and your mercy that has reached down to us yes. it's not in our strength but we are confident that what you have uh, what we place before you according to your father's will you will accomplish father as we reach out tonight Brother saying, My God, the words that will be given will be just what you what you will have us to receive, not only us here, but all those who are joining online and also across the world where your people are. Different needs that are there. We can put them before you, appreciate your help and your assistance, because thou art worthy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for touching our minds, touching you, thank touching our spirits, Lord, and changing us. Oh, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Praise the wonderful name of the Lord. Amen and amen. Let's be seated. It's always good to come on into church and to sing songs of the heart. Um, in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, I think it is, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus made a statement like this. We dealt with Ephesians recently. We were dealing with light and darkness the other day, and this was a good chapter to tell us how to walk in love and to walk as, children, as um, dear children of God. Be followers of God, verse 1 says, dear children. And um, it goes on further on in that chapter. It says in verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but reprove them. And then verse 14 says, wherefore, he saith, the Lord says, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give, ye, shall give thee light. It is amazing that this church that was started originally by Apollos, and uh, later on Paul came on in, spent about three years, and then he was exiled from this church. Um, an apostle spending three years in the church, you would think everyone in that church has a strong relationship with God. You would think so. But it seems like after a while, people lose their connection with God and they're just involved in the religion and not in the relationship with God. And that is quite possible for every church. We can have the mechanics of church. We can come, be faithful in church attendance, we can sing the songs, we can uh, uh, engage in the worship, uh, we can testify, we can dress and even look like children of God. But if we lose our relationship with God, we can go spiritually dead. And that is why it is important for God to touch our minds that we stay alive, darkness in the community Darkness in society can penetrate your minds and affect your relationship with God. Spiritual darkness is dangerous. I've got my finger in Ephesians chapter 5, but I'm turning back here to Matthew, uh, the 25th chapter of Matthew. In this day of spiritual darkness, uh, that um, hard to detect, hard to detect spiritual darkness, that um, there needs to be a cry to awake people out of the sleep. That is what Paul meant when he says, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. Uh, as you lose your insight uh, to spiritual illumination, you can become dead singing, uh, um, I, um, singing some courses of life right? Uh, you can be spiritually dead. Here in Matthew, coming back to Ephesians 5 in a minute, 
But here in Matthew, it tells us uh, the parable. It seems like this is a parable. I'm saying it seems like a parable because the language is very parabolic. Uh, there was a, uh, then shall the kingdom of heaven, uh, Jesus said, be likened unto ten virgins. Um, as you read and understand translations and somebody says, well, you know, you need to know more Hebrew. Guess what? I speak English. Why should I call God some Hebrew name when I know his name in English? Uh, does God expect me to call Jesus according to the Jewish um, original word? No, yeah, I speak to Jesus. He got to figure it out what I mean when I'm talking to him. I speak English. Our prejudices and our arrogance and our ignorance is so, it's so astounding that um, we feel like you've got to uh, do things a certain way. Otherwise, you, you see, one thing, speaking to God is one thing. Trying to speak to impress the people around you, that's a different story altogether. A lot of people, uh, even in a public prayer, they don't pray to God. They pray for the people around them to hear. And uh, that prayer does not even pass the ceiling of the building you're in. So, here in Matthew chapter 25, it says, And issue the kingdom of heaven is be likened unto ten virgins. And there, but I think the word virgins should have been translated bright, uh, bridesmaids. Uh, ten bridesmaids. When you say virgin, it sounds like a more religious thing, right? But it should really be translated bridesmaids. But let's deal with it as it says tonight. Virgins, right? Uh, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Now, one of the things I know a little bit that I think I understand about the Jewish uh, wedding ceremony is when they're going out to meet the bridegroom, they're not going to meet the bridegroom to bring him to the wedding. They're going to meet the bridegroom because he's coming from the wedding. Now, you'll notice this parable has nothing to say about the bride. Absolutely nothing about the bride because I think the concept of this parable is to tell us how dangerous darkness is and how we can lose, even though we are bridesmaids or you can say virgins, you can lose that and uh, miss out with God. Now let's look at it literally as it says here. Five of them were wise and five of them were not so wise. All right, I can change that around. Uh, five of them were dumb and five of them were dumber. Why are you saying that, brother? Saying, well, follow me tonight. Five of them were wise, five were foolish, and they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Isn't that strange that you're going and the possibilities that the bridegroom is going to delay his coming and he's coming in the evening. And you did, you carry a lamp with no oil? How dumb can you be? Carry a lamp, no oil. What you expected to do? You know, it's like having a generator. We've got a nice generator, but no gas inside. It's like sitting in your car with no battery. No gas. <laughs> you can pretend you're driving, but it ain't, go it ain't going anywhere. And so, uh, to make a long story short on this, this, this particular scripture, it says, And the bridegroom tarried, and while the bridegroom tarried, the wise virgins, as well as the not-so-wise virgins, all fell asleep. The reason why they fell asleep was simple. 
in the night, if you're waiting for the bridegroom to come and the place is getting dark and the worst time is twilight. Twilight between darkness and light. It's not completely dark, but it's hazy. That's a gloomy, gloomy uh, period of time. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, it's the worst time to think you're looking at something. You can have a bad accident in the twilight because the sun is going down and the darkness is coming up. And in between, uh, there are two things that can happen. One is you lose your vision and focus of the light. And the second thing that can happen, your eyes get accustomed to a gradual decline of light and an increase of darkness. Now let's put a spiritual application to that. You can be in church and be given light. Uh, the word of God, you got your doctrines all right. Uh, you've got the understanding of scripture all right. Uh, theologically, you're 100% perfect. But you see, the greatest doctrine one can ever learn is not theological doctrine, it's the doctrine of lifestyle. You can understand all the theories of God, but if you're not walking in light and living according to light, like David says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That is what this book is supposed to do, guide your lifestyle. If you're only sitting and listening to the message and not incorporating it in a daily walk with God, then the message is in futility. And so these wise virgins, I believe oil here speaks of the interpretation of the word of God. You put oil in your lamp and when you light it, it brings an illumination. The illumination penetrates the darkness and the darkness is pushed away because you can ignite your lamp and bring light to your pathway. But if you got the lamp and you're not lighting it up and you look at your fellow virgins that are, you know, not so smart, they did not even have oil. What's the point in having oil when you're doing the same thing that the ones without oil is doing? You're not illuminating your lamp to give you light, to direct your steps and to help you to penetrate the darkness with your light. But they all slumbered and slept. The foolish virgins slumbered and slept, and I can understand why they slumbered and slept, but I can't fully comprehend why the wise one that understood what the Word of God says also slumbered and slept. And as I look at the world today, I see the majority and I say that again, the majority of Christians in the world are in deep slumber, including us. We're intoxicated and you see sleep, darkness, drunkenness, the wine of our fornication are all associated. The reason why the world wanders after the beast is because the world is in darkness with no illumination. And if a child of God sitting in the church understands the scripture theologically and mentally, but does not put it in practice in their life, but they keep on running with the ungodly way of life, they follow the beast, 
then you're blind and you're dead. You will die spiritually after a while. And you might be like the church in Ephesus where Paul says, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from your dead state. But Christ once quickened me. He once did that. But you can so fall into a spiritual slumber. And so the greatest doctrine one can have is a doctrine that tells you how to live. How to conduct yourself in society. Not how to shout in church. Not how to boast and talk big. Not the talk, it's the walk. I'm going to ask you, did you pray today? If you're listening to me today, here is a question. Did you pray today? When last did you read your Bible and sit down and study it? See, that's the walk. Coming and sit down in church or listening to me on the internet and memorizing all the scripture is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living for God on a daily basis. Blessed is the man that is not walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Cursed is the man that is walking, walking in the counsel of the ungodly. You're cursed. Whether you call yourself Christian or child of God, but if you're walking like the ungodly and when the sinners are running east, you've gone east. When they're running west, they've gone west. When they have a big festive thing going on, you get excited. When somebody hits something in a stadium, you're shouting glory and the ungodly man is shouting the same way. When your lifestyle draws no distinction between your life and the ungodly life, you're cursed. Cursed is the man that walks in the counsel of the ungodly. We live in a bad age. We live in a ter terrible age. And I've said things that, you know, in time it will come to pass. If God touched my mind when I said it. I did not know when I said, but Brother Joe was pointing that out to me sometime. When the virus was still in China... I preached a lesson here and said, I would not be surprised if it hits North America and Canada. I was listening to a message today where it was 2019, uh, sometime in 2019, I posted it, I think I did, uh, on Facebook, where I said that God must judge North America with a serious judgment. I didn't say that because I'm smart. I said that because my mouth was open and God filled some words in. But there are things that God has given to us to direct our steps. And if you sit down and listen to this message and go contrary, your blood will be on your own shoulder. My job is to just preach the word. And God's people has a tendency of wanting to listen, listen to it, and not incorporate it or practice it in their lives. And so here in Matthew chapter 25, and we're coming down here, the wise virgins fell asleep and the foolish virgins fell asleep. And I know preachers would be upset with me when I'm about to make a statement. Not because you didn't carry the oil, but you carry the oil. You see, I'm switching things around. You carry the oil, but you're not lighting the lamp. So you, he that is given much, 
God says, much is required of you. You that sit down and listen to the messages that I preach and live less than the people that are outside of this church, as far as godliness is concerned, greater shall be your judgment. All right, are you following me still? And so they all slumbered and slept, and at midnight, right in the middle of the darkest time of the night, there was a voice, there was a cry, saying, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you all to meet him. Now this voice that was sounding in the middle of the night were, was not a part of the five wise nor the five foolish virgins. This was someone that was awake. And ever in every age, God has always raised up a ministry that does not fall under the total influence of darkness. Darkness can put a slumber in your life that you repeat the scriptures, you say the things, like someone says, you preach the truth, but you live a lie. You know the truth, but you practice that which is contrary to the truth. Greater shall be our judgment if that's the case. He that knoweth to do the master's will and doeth it not shall be beaten with many stripes. He that knoweth not to do the master's will and doeth it not shall be beaten with less stripes than those that heard the message. So out of the ten virgins, if I were to judge them, I'd put a greater judgment on the ones that had the oil because even though they were supposed to be wise, they did not like the thing. But this has nothing to do with the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ was coming with the bridegroom. And at midnight, someone shouted, wake up! And we need that voice to wake us up out of our deep spiritual slumber in today's society. There's so much to contaminate us. I told you some time ago that there'll come a time when evil will promote itself. I know I've got your finger in Matthew and I've got your finger where? In Ephesians. And I'm uh, switching over here. Uh, let me see into... Uh, Timothy, I think, um, uh, 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 3 in 2 Timothy, it says, uh, Paul is writing and he says, perilous times shall come. Uh, verse 1, perilous times shall come, not only in society, but in the church. And he goes out here and he says, the reason why perilous times, Paul was a prophet. When he said this, it was prophetic. He says, men shall be lovers of themselves. Not only men here is signifying men and women. Uh, people, mankind, will be lovers of themselves. And one of the reasons why they love themselves, it will promote covetousness. The church will suffer and poverty, uh, the poor will not be given charity because individuals love themselves more than they love God. They shall be lovers of their own selves and covetous, and they will boast. Mankind love to boast about how great they are and how powerful they are. 
and proud, and there be blasphemers calling themselves names that is not really appropriate for them to be called. If I call myself, I'm the child of God and I'm not, I'm a blasphemer. If I say this is the church of God, and it's not really the church that God approves, I'm a blasphemer. If I say this is the body of Christ and Christ does not approve that, taking a name and a title become a blasphemous situation if God has not approved that. If you're lying about something, you're blaspheming when you're using the name of God to justify your hypocrisy. Got it? All right. I'm going slow tonight. Are you, are you with me? All right. It says, without natural affection. See, Paul talks about a time when man will have, not have natural affection. The government of Canada, the government of Canada has just passed a law. I think it's called conversion therapy. A law conversion therapy. I don't know what it means in totality. I've not gone through the thing. But it's telling you that if someone... Uh, wants to maintain agenda that they choose, not what God has decided, but they choose. But a Sinbad want to be called Sally. If I try to convert him, I could be put in jail for five years. But if he wants to convert me from being my normal self into becoming Denise rather than Desmond, I don't know if there's a problem for that. The bigger problem is because you're not allowed to convert anybody that wants to maintain their sexual desire or whatever they decide to call themselves. And I don't have a problem with that in society. I have a problem with what is about to come in the future where another law will come in the future. All kinds of laws will come up in the future where a person would say, you can't convert somebody. You know, there's countries, there are countries that you cannot preach a message to convert people. I think Singapore was one of those countries. You could not go out and try to share tracks and win people. There are certain countries, and in an Arab country, you can't carry a Bible and try to save people. It's against the law. So you've got to be a secret witness of Jesus. You understand where we're heading? Evil shall wax worse and worse. I'm coming there in a second. But um, uh, without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good... After a while, and I said this over and over again, this book that I have in my hand that's called the Bible will be branded as hate literature because it condemns certain uh, immoral acts. And as we move ahead in the future, evil will become worse. And Paul writes here, let me finish this scripture. It says... Uh, traitors, verse 4, heady, high-minded. He's writing to his son, telling him what to face up in the future. Well, Timothy, uh, he was a young preacher, and Paul was trying to get him ready for what was coming in the future. He says here, uh, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. That's what we have in today's society. People love pleasure more than they love God. Few people love God, and the ones that say they love God, there's holes in their desire to serve God. 
having a form of godliness, but deny God the power thereof to change their lives. Paul says, when you see that element, turn away. Don't hobnob with an element that is contrary to what God desires. He's telling Timothy, he says, turn away. And then it says here, that element in verse 7, ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the reality that's in their life, of the truth. And then he comes on further on. He says, verse 10, but you have fully known my doctrine. Paul says, when you look at me, you see my lifestyle. He says, you have known my doctrine. What doctrine was more important here was the doctrine of lifestyle, manner of life, the purpose why I'm living, uh, the faith that I have. He says to Timothy, he says, you've seen that firsthand, long suffering, the way I am patient with people to see them saved. He says, my charity, my patience. He says, you've learned my persecutions and the afflictions which came upon me at Antioch. And then he comes down here in verse 12, he says, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you decide that you want to live for God, people will not cooperate with you. You know, if I preach a different message, we'll have a packed house here on Wednesday night. If I preach an accommodating message, and I preach a social gospel, and I preach an entertaining gospel, and we have these drums at the back here beating uh, your flesh into a frenzy, this church will be full. But it's not full tonight because I preach a gospel to save people. Amen. And I pray that those of you listening to me online and following me here on, on, in the church, literally, that God will save you and he'll help, help you to understand that I did not come yesterday into the ministry. I've been doing this for 54 years, since I was 18 years old. You know why I went? Because God called me. Mama didn't call me. Papa didn't call me. Nobody called me. I felt God called me to the ministry. Even my preacher did not call me. And the calling has not changed. And then Paul went on here, verse 13, he says, but evil men, we're heading not only 2,000 years ago, this was said, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so Paul, what are you saying? He's saying that society will not change. Unlike what the Jehovah's Witnesses expect to accomplish, that slowly they, they save people and win people until this earth becomes the kingdom of God, it's not going to happen like that. Evil shall increase. Iniquity shall abound. There's no great, wonderful move that will save the whole world. No, it takes the judgment of God to accomplish that. And so when we're looking at the prophecy here, Paul says that evil men, he says, but continue thou as a young man. He says, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Don't give it up. Unless you learn it from a bad source. There's sometimes when you need to give up what you've got if it's not helping you to grow spiritually. All right? It says, 
has, uh, and being assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. A lot of times, Paul is telling Timothy, he says, son, don't forget that I was your teacher and where you're coming from. And Paul told Timothy, he says, you should never forget where you came from and how you got into this position today and who taught you about God. Never, ever forget that. Because a lot of times we forget where we're coming from and sin of ungratefulness and unthankfulness takes a hold of our hearts. Amen. I've come to a place in life that I depend on God to give me approval. I do not depend on mankind anymore. I've been depending for years and I get disappointed. Time no wait on. Uh, Matthew chapter 25 tells us that at midnight, in the middle of the night, verse 6, he says, uh, there was a cry, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. And that is what the church ought to do in the age of darkness. We need to have a message that awakes people. Not only tell them the bridegroom is coming, but give them more than just the bridegroom is coming. Teach them how to ignite that lamp. Give them oil in that lamp that will change their lifestyle. You can inform them, you can educate them, but if you can't change their lifestyle, your effort is in futility. The church is a waste of time if it cannot produce people that can live for God. And so in Ephesians 5, uh, Paul is making a beautiful, uh, some beautiful statements here. In verse 11 he says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful work of darkness, but rather reprove them. And then he goes down here and he tells us what we need to do. He says, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then you walk circumspectly. I'm telling you tonight, Paul said this to the Ephesians uh, 2000 in AD 61 or somewhere around there. I'm telling you tonight, if you're listening to me, how you live, my friend, is important. Walk circumspectly. Examine every moment of the day. Make sure that your life is such that you shine a light in society, not darkness. Don't give people a reason to condemn the church. You got some hypocrisy, keep it concealed until God can save you from it and shine the light. Let your light shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father. We have a responsibility today that we cannot afford for you to see our flaws. We need to shine the light. I might have flaws and God is saving me from that. And when Paul made a statement, and we've been using this scripture so many times, he says, I've not yet apprehended that which the Lord has apprehended me for. He was preaching a perfect gospel, even though he had personal problems. This book would have been a thin book if it was only written about perfect men without flaws. This self-righteous thing that we have accommodated for many years that condemns everyone. Well, you don't preach the right doctrine. Uh, you're condemned. No, no, no. Don't do that. If the one that don't preach the right doctrine is living right, there's not a better chance in the resurrection than you that preach the right doctrine. 
Your attitude to leadership is important. You know, Diotrephes had that problem. Gaius was there. And it is surprising that in a church where Diotrephes was the pastor, John wrote to Gaius. The Apostle John did not write to Diotrephes, who was the pastor for that church. He wrote to a young man, uh, to a brother that was in the church. And he writes to Gaius and he says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospereth." It means that this boy, Gaius, a young man, I don't know how young he was, but he might have been 15, might have been 20, might have been 30. He, Paul, John writes to him and says, I wish, I wish. That's strange, John. I thought you would pray. Well, he probably prayed already, but now the boy was not getting healed. He was sick. Uh, he, had a he had physical problems in his body. Well, John writes to guess and he says, I wish that you may prosper. I'm wishing. I pray, but now it doesn't, God did not answer that prayer. So God answers all prayers, either yes or no. Your prayer will not change the perfect will from being accomplished in my life. If God wants me to die with an ailment in my body and a cancer take my life, but he's bringing me to the end of my life and that's what God wants, your prayer would not save me, but your prayer would make your faith stronger in God. And your prayer can also save the sick, but the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Not everybody that prays. You know, often I put a prayer request on Facebook and a lot of people pray, but there might be out of every hundred person, five that are sincere. And the prayer might be prayers of righteous individuals. You can have all your doctrines right and you can be the best preacher they have in the world. But if your message does not bring a change in the lives of the people, first of all, bring a change in your own life and then reach on in to change the lives of the people, your effort is in futility. And so, here in Ephesians, uh, Paul is saying, walk, see that you walk circumspectly and not as a fool, but as someone that is wise. You live in a evil society, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I made my own scripture tonight. Cursed is the man that walketh in the counsel of the ungodly. Cursed is the man that sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Standeth in the way of sinners. But you are blessed. Or cursed is the man that's not delighting himself in the law of the Lord. But he delights himself in television and in everything else. See, my delight is in the law of the Lord above everything else in my life. And as I get older and I draw closer to the end of my life, there'll be scarcely anything else that will delight me. I feel up there and some days I feel down here. You know, some days you're right on top. I don't let my depression come into church. I let when you see me, I'm always trying to be vibrant and ready to preach the gospel. But I see the bottom sometimes when I look up, I see the, I look up and see the bottom. Every one of us have to go through valleys. Every one of us have to be able to go through that which will strengthen our faith in God. And so Paul says, redeeming the time. 
don't waste your time. I still do some of that. I still waste my time on, on silly things. Redeeming the time because the days we're living in are evil. And here is something that I like to suggest to every child of God. He says in verse 19, speaking to yourself in Psalms. You see, and today, the devil has provided every possible way to distract you from spending more time in the Word of God. The internet. The internet takes a lot of children of God their time away, that they're busy listening to all kinds of conspiracy theories and all kinds of ideas. You come, your faith, the more you listen to some of these things, I mean, things are important to listen to, but sometimes you can be so overwhelmed. And if you're a gullible child of God, you'll be running all day. When blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, what shall he be? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The greatest secret to health is living God's law and not contaminating yourself with what the world offers. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And here's what you'll do. Verse 19, speaking to yourself in psalms and in hymns. Wasn't it nice to sing some choruses tonight to the Lord? More of you, more of you. Oh Lord, I'm, well if you're only singing because you want to feel good, you're wasting time. See, the devil can bring a distraction right in your life. Oh, more of you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, more of you. Get real, you're singing because you want him to touch your life and change you. Less of you. Jesus is saying, oh yes, child, but you got to get rid of less of you. More of you before more of me can come on in. Don't be involved in playing dollhouse in church. This is real. When you sing the song, and this is what Paul meant, giving thanks, he says, uh, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord, giving thanks Always for all things unto God. Good things, bad things. You learn to give thanks to God for all things. Unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then he tells you about submitting yourself. But you know the important things to pull you out of a depression. Is to have songs. Can I give you one last scripture? Uh, two, a couple pages over. Uh, Philippians and then Colossians. And in Colossians chapter 3. Whole chapter is beautiful. The whole chapter is beautiful. You see, these are areas that you need to live. You don't need Brother Singh to always tell you. You just pick up Colossians chapter 3 and start read. Start with verse 1 and then going by to verse 5. Uh, verse 2 says, set your affections on things above. Can you do that? Can you set your love? Not on things on this earth. But let God be the most important affection. He gets your heart more than anyone else. Think for yourself. But the most blessed thing. If you can go through Colossians 3. And then come down all the way down. See I'm running you through it because time is gone on me. But in verse. Uh, it says above all things. Verse 14. Above all these things put on charity. 
Verse 1 to verse 14 is telling you a lot of different things to do. Verse 5 says, mortify therefore your members, your body parts, mortify it. Don't let lust take a hold of you, mortify it. Fornication, uncleanness, or inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. He says, all of these things, which is idolatry, get rid of it. See, you don't need to stand up and go to a Bible school and spend three years. Read chapter 3 of Colossians and live it. <laughs> but that's not all. I want to finish off here. Help me to finish. Verse 16. Uh, verse 14. Above all things, put on charity, which is in the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God, let the peace of God, not confusion. In the day, you know, tonight alone, I heard so many individuals. I heard one family here in, um, in our church, one family, the whole family is infected with COVID-19. And I heard someone else said their child is affected. And this thing is all over the place. So what you're going to get paranoid? No, do your best and then leave to God the rest. Amen. But in everything, examine your life. Where are you missing? What's missing here? Because God expects to judge the ungodly and chastise his children. We've got to be careful. But we at the same time have an enemy that would like to attack us. But God is able to protect us. Goes on here, he says, um, Let the peace of God rule your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, that, and be thankful. Everybody, verse 16, join me here. But let the word of God dwell in you richly. How? In all wisdom. Theory, how to have it and understand it, is not wisdom. Wisdom is incorporating it in your life. Let the word of God be in a lifestyle in your life. Teaching and admonishing one another. How? In Psalms, that's when you call somebody. In hymns and spiritual songs, sing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. You know, one of the things I like with Nadine, she hums all day. She's singing all day. I'm going to live for Jesus, you know. She's coming up, bringing coffee in her hand. <laughs> Having a song in your heart. It keeps away the depression. Singing lifts your spirit. And in the middle of anything, I remember when we had the flood in the basement. She was, she was in knee deep of junk walking in the flood and singing choruses unto the Lord. God, take a good spirit. You don't give up. Otherwise, you sink under the flood. But rise up and let your spirit rise. And so I'll finish this off here. It says, um, admonishing, uh, let the word of God, Christ, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to the Father, into God and the Father by him. What a hope we have. What a way we have. Can you want to cope with the COVID? Well, here's one way to do it. Sing praises unto God and lift your spirit up above the depression and a bit, a, let it rise above the cloud of depression. May God lift our spirits all up.
Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight we want to thank you once again for your word. It has always been a light unto our path, Father. Oh, God, help us. Help your people in this time where uh, problems are to the right and problems are to the left. It seems like all around us there's hell and destruction, Father. But may you give us hearts that will rise up and lift you up, Father. And give praise unto you at all times. That in the midst of chaos, we can shine as lights. And we can be your children as an example to the world. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. And amen.